Amen. Well, if you are 35 years old or older, I want to say welcome to the future. Okay? <laughs> welcome to the future. We are now living in the future. If you are 35 or older, you know, this is the time that we were waiting on. Way back when, growing up as children, watching different movies, we couldn't wait to see the future. We couldn't wait to see 2020. And now, here we are. Now, it's not exactly the way Hollywood depicted it would be, though. Okay? I mean, for all intents and purposes, we should be living like the Jetsons about now, right? <laughs> Out of all the movies that there were out there that depicted how the future would be, we should be having flying cars now, teleportation now. We should have all kinds of things going on other than our cell phones and flat screen TVs. Not too much has really changed, right? <laughs> but take, for example, even uh, Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2, that particular movie, its setting was what year? Does anybody know? 2015, <laughs> Back to the Future 2 was set in 2015, and we are now five years beyond 2015 and still doesn't look anything like it did in Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2 had flying cars and all these uh, hoverboards and moving sidewalks and all kinds of things, and so growing up, if you were like me, you thought, man, when we get into the 2000s, when we get into the future, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be just like we've seen in the movies. And so now being in 2020, you may be a little disappointed that that is not the case. But there is another reason, if you're like me, why you might be disappointed with being in 2020 now. And that is because if you're like me, if, if you've grown up in church and you've been a Christian for some time, you thought by now, surely, Jesus, you would have come back by now. <laughs> I mean, when I was growing up, when I was even a teenager, I thought, we don't have too much time with this. <laughs> the way that the world is going, the, the, the wickedness that is around us and, and all that's happening, surely God is going to come back soon. And we thought by now he would have come back. Okay? Every generation predicts it. Every generation hopes for it. In my generation, it was Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? <laughs> Y2K, the world was going to end and we all knew it for sure. I mean, the computers weren't going to know what to do with the change or the turn of a century. We're going to be set back in the dark ages. There was going to be chaos and anarchy and confusion. And then right after that, the rapture is going to take place and God's going to take us home. Nope. <laughs> Y2K came with not even a whimper. <laughs> and now here we are 20 years later. And still no Jesus. 20 years later and, and still no, pa uh, no return of Christ or the rapture. But with every passing year, with every turn of a new calendar, if you're like me, this is the question you have in your mind as well. Lord, is this the year? 
Lord, is this the year I've been waiting and hoping and wondering and studying and exploring and examining and I've been believing and looking out to the signs and the things that are going on in the world and all kinds of things and 2020 would be a great year for you to come back. 2020 is such a nice round number and and it's into a new decade and it will be a great time for you to come back. So, Lord, now that we are in 2020, is this the year of your return? Is this the year of the rapture of the church? Is this the year where we see the beginning of the end? Is this the year? Well, one thing that we know for sure, and that is we know that we don't know. (laughs) We know that no one knows. Jesus himself said, no one knows the day nor the hour. And he said, not even the son of man. It always amazed me and surprised me how so many people will like to predict when the rapture will be or predict when the end will come when Jesus himself said, I don't even know. (laughs) So how are you going to know what Jesus himself said? He didn't even know. (laughs) But yet you will have these people who will predict it and bring these dates and gather the people and try and prepare because they believe this is the time of the end. Jesus said he didn't even know. But even though no man knows the day nor the hour, we do know when. Okay. Even though no man knows the day nor the hour, we do know when. So how can we know the when if we don't know the day nor the hour? Well, Matthew 24, 14, if you have your Bibles, this is what Jesus said about the end. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus, of course, spoke of wars. He spoke of rumors of wars. He spoke of earthquakes and pestilence and all kinds of things that are going to happen. But he says, but the end is not yet. When you see all those things happen, no, those are just the beginning of sorrows. Those are just the beginning of birth pains. The world or creation, as we talked about last Wednesday, groaning, waiting for Messiah to come to restore the wrong in our world. So he says, yeah, there will be earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence and all kinds of things like that. But that's just the beginning. (laughs) That's not the end. That's not the end yet. He says this in verse 14 of Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Watch this in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then when? Then the end will come. God says, no, it's not the earthquakes, it's not the wars, it's not the rumors of wars, it's not the uh, coronavirus, it's not the pestilence and all those things. No, those are just the beginning. (laughs) But when you see the gospel of the kingdom, this message being preached all over the world, Finding itself, its place in nations and tribes and tongues all over this world, then the Bible says the end will come. (laughs) Now, you may say, well, that's still a little abstract. That's still a little general. You know, why couldn't God simply tell us exactly when he would return? Why couldn't God simply say, you know, this is when I'm coming back? June 3rd, 2023. (laughs) 
At 6.43 p.m., that's when I'm coming back. Just want to let y'all know. Why didn't God do that? (laughs) Why didn't God simply tell us when he was going to return? Well, if you go down to verse 42 of Matthew 24, he tells you why. He says in verse 42, watch, therefore. After I've told you all these things and given you all these clues and all these signs and all these things that are going to happen, then he says, therefore, watch. Watch. Why? For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. The reason why you have to watch or to stay on guard or to stay ready is because you do not know when he's coming. (laughs) You do not know when he's coming. He gives you an example. He says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. So say a thief comes to you and says, hey, guess what? Next Thursday at 3.30 (laughs) a.m., I'm going to break into your house. Okay, just want to give you a heads up. <laughs> just want to let you know that. <laughs> what would you be doing next Thursday at 3.30 a.m.? You'd be up watching. <laughs> you'd have your gun. You'd have a bat. You'd have something. Why? Because you know when the thief is coming. But what would you be doing at Wednesday at 3.30? Sleep. Tuesday at 3.30? Sleep. <laughs> Monday at 3.30? Sleep. <laughs> you wouldn't be watching. Why? Because you have a date of when the thief is coming. God says in the same way, if you knew the exact time and the exact day that I would come back, you would live for that day rather than living for every day for me. You would only live for that day. (laughs) So I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back. I just want you to be ready. Don't get ready. Be ready. Listen, you won't have time to get ready when he comes. When God destroyed the world the first time with the flood, the Bible says even the ground produced water. The wells broke open and the ground produced water. Water was falling from the sky. So it wasn't just that rain was coming. They said, oh, yeah, I guess this was right. Oh, yeah, I guess Noah knew what he was talking about. Let me go to the boat. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Not only was rain coming from above, the Bible says that the waters from the earth broke open and came up. And so it was suddenly... It was quickly. The people did not have time to get ready. They had to already be ready. They had to already be in the ark. They had to already be in the boat. (laughs) Because once you saw the water, guess what? Too late. Too late. So God says, I want you, in verse 44, I want you to be ready. Not get ready. (laughs) I want you to be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour You do not expect. God is going to come. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is going to rapture his church. He is going to take us out of this place, but it is going to be at a time we do not expect. So watch, he says, because you don't know. (laughs) It's the very reason you don't know that you need to be watching. Now, Even though God has not revealed when, he's not given us the day nor the hour of his return. Even though he hasn't revealed when, he has revealed what? In other words, he has revealed what we are to look for 
to know that we are getting closer to his return. You know, it's kind of like when we used to get instructions from people or directions when we're trying to find a place while driving. You know, before GPS, before, you know, Google Maps, (laughs) before those things, we had to ask people for directions, right? And what would they say? Okay, what you want to do is go about two or three miles down the road. You're going to see a Walmart to your right there, okay? Turn right there. You're going to go a few blocks over. You're then going to cross some railroad tracks, right? After those railroad tracks, take a left. You're going to see a frost bank up ahead, okay? Don't go too far. If you see a Piggly Wiggly, you're gone too far, okay? But you're going to see a frost bank there. And once you see that, you're going to go and see this big house, this blue house with a white picket fence. Once you see that, you're at your destination. What then do we do? We look for all those road markers, right? We look for the Walmart. We look for the Frost Bay. I say, oh, yeah, those are the railroad tracks they were talking about. There's the blue house. There it is. We must be getting close. <laughs> God does the exact same thing with us when it comes to the end. He says, even though I have not told you the day nor the hour of my return, I have given you road markers. <laughs> I have given you different ways of looking and searching and seeing when you see these things happening, you know you're getting closer and closer to that time. So God says in his word, I've given you road markers so that we would know. John 13, 19, if you have your Bibles open, go to John 13, 19. In John 13, 19, Jesus told his disciples this. He says, Now I tell you before it comes to pass so that when it does come to pass, you may what? Believe. And not just believe, but believe that I am he. In other words, what Jesus is describing here is prophecy. Prophecy or to foretell the future. And Jesus said, the reason why I am prophesying to you, the reason why I am foretelling the future, the reason why I'm telling you what's going to happen even before it happens is so that you may, number one, believe, but you also may believe that I am he, that I am God, because that's the only way I could give you prophecy. That is the only way I can give you future if I were God. So we said the purpose, the two purposes for prophecy is this, for validation and preparation. Prophecy will do those two things, validation and preparation. It will validate that God is real, that God is true, that his word is trustworthy. And preparation, in light of us knowing what's to come tomorrow, how should we be living our today? It prepares. If we know a winter is coming, then that means we got to be doing something now in preparation for winter. So God says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen even before it happens so that when it happens, you may believe. Believe and believe in me. That is called prophecy. And it is why one of the reasons, at least why we believe in the Bible. Out of all the holy books there are out there, why do we believe in the Bible? Well, not only because of the history and not only because of the consistency, but because of the accuracy of prophecy. (laughs) No other book, no other holy book comes remotely close to the revealing prophecy and the fulfilled prophecy of the Bible. With Jesus Christ alone fulfilling over 300 prophecies himself. 
He realized that crucifixion wasn't even a form of punishment when they wrote about it, that that's how the Messiah was going to die. It wasn't even a form of punishment. But yet they said thousands of years or at least hundreds of years before it happened that this is how the Messiah would be killed or taken out. And that's just one out of hundreds of prophecies about Jesus himself. And we can go on and on and on about all the different prophecies there are in the scripture and Bible, but that is one of the reasons why we believe in the Bible. That is one of the reasons why we believe in God's holy word, because of the uh, prophecy that was revealed, and now we have seen it be fulfilled. The Bible, that then lets us know that the Bible was not written by men. Man can't do that. (laughs) Man can't write the Bible, because man doesn't know the future. No, man recorded the Bible. God wrote the Bible. (laughs) The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And you know that because of the prophecy that is in the Bible. Look, there's only two ways that you can know the future. (laughs) And that is you are from the future. (laughs) You've been there. Or the one who is in the future has revealed it to you. That is the only way you can know future. Either you are from the future, you're in the future, or the one who is in the future has revealed the future to you. That is the only way you can know future. So for the Bible to be filled with future, for the Bible to be filled with prophecy, it lets us know man did not write the Bible. Man recorded the Bible. God, the Holy Spirit, wrote the word. And he revealed these things to man. So throughout history... Throughout human history, God has been using mankind to reveal the future. He's been using mankind to reveal the future, and he calls these men prophets. Prophets. Prophets are simply those who reveal to us what God's revealed to them. That's a prophet. Whenever you reveal to someone else what God has revealed to you, God says, you're a prophet. That's, that's prophecy, okay? So there are those who reveal to us what God's revealed to them or those who tell you what's going to happen even before it happens because that's what God has shown them that it will happen. Daniel was certainly one of those men, okay? Daniel was certainly one of those men, a man of God who was called by God to the people of God to warn the people, to prepare the people, to let them know what thus says the Lord. And so God would reveal to Daniel what he would want Daniel to reveal to whomever his audience was at the time. Okay? And not only would a prophet reveal events of the future, they would also reveal secrets of the past. That's also a prophet. (laughs) A prophet is not only one who reveals events of the future. A prophet will also reveal secrets of the past. Isn't that what the prophet Nathan did with uh, David? When David sinned with Bathsheba, when he took another man's wife, then got her pregnant, then tried to cover it up, then had uh, her husband killed in battle. The prophet Nathan comes to him and says, look, I know what you did last summer, right? (laughs) Or it would have been last spring because it was springtime when the men went out or kings went out to war. But you get the gist. He comes to David and he reveals to him the secrets of the past. 
He reveals to him the secrets in his heart. He reveals to him, I know God knows what you did and he's revealed it to me. So he first reveals to David the secrets of his past, but then he lets him know of the events of the future. Because of what you have done, because you have done this, because you have taken Uriah's wife as your own, now let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me give you the events of the future of what's going to happen as a result of this. So a true prophet of God not only will give you future events, it will give you past secrets as well. And Daniel does both as well. Daniel will do the very same thing with the kings of Babylon. Not only will he give future events, but he will reveal past secrets as well. And one particular time, if you remember, when we were in the book of Daniel uh, before the turn of the year. One of those particular times was with a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. Y'all remember the dream? King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he has these wise men, these soothsayers, these these uh, astrologers and all kinds of wise men that he utilizes. He goes to them and he says, look, I've had a dream. It's bothering me. It's troubling me. And I need to know the meaning. I need to know the interpretation of this dream. They say, OK, tell us your dream. He said, no, <laughs> no, we're not playing that game. I'm, I'm not telling you my dream. Because I don't want you just to come up with just anything. No, I want you to tell me what I dreamt. <laughs> I want you to reveal to me the secrets of my heart. I want you to reveal to me the secrets of my past. I want you to tell me what I dreamt. And if you are able to tell me what I dreamt, then I can uh, trust that you can know the meaning of the dream as well. But if you don't tell me not only the meaning of my dream, but what I've dreamt, I'm killing everybody. <laughs> he says, I am killing every. I'm wiping all the wise men out because you are no good to me. If none of my wise men can tell me what I dreamt as well as its interpretation, I'm killing everybody. That was the instruction of the king. And so they go out and they begin to do that. They round up all the wise men. They begin to execute them. And Daniel, he hears it. He says, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. What's going on? <laughs> the king is tripping. What is he talking about? And they explain it to Daniel. They say, okay, give me some time then. Let me go to my God in heaven. Let me search the Lord and see if he would be willing to reveal to me not only future events, but past secrets. And sure enough, after Daniel fasts and prays along with his friends, God gives him the secret of the king's heart. And he goes to uh, Nebuchadnezzar and he lets him know not only the meaning or the interpretation of the dream, he lets him know even what he dreamt uh, to begin with. Now, it is this particular dream. It is this particular dream that we talked about last year. It is this particular dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that God gave him revelation on that is going to launch us into the second half of the book of Daniel. Okay, This one dream right here, this one particular dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that nobody could, could understand except Daniel and his friends, it is this dream. That is going to launch us into the second half of the book of Daniel, because this dream was not only about Nebuchadnezzar's future. It was about the future of the world. Okay? Y'all remember the dream? 
Nebuchadnezzar, he dreamt of a great image or a statue. And this statue was broken up into five different parts. It had a head of gold. It had arms put together of silver, chest and arms of silver. It had a a torso and thighs of bronze. It had legs of iron. And then it had feet with ten toes, partly mixed with iron and clay. This was the statue or the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had dreamt of. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he sees a rock hewn from the side of a mountain without human hands coming down, striking the statue or the image at its feet. The whole thing coming down, turning into dust and the wind blowing it away. And that rock that struck that image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. That was the dream. And the interpretation of the dream, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, is these are all the world powers to come. God has led you in on the future. God is revealing to you what was what is but also what will be these are all the world powers that will rule the known world throughout human history he says it's first going to start off with you Nebuchadnezzar you are that head of gold so you and all of Babylon you are the first world power to rule the known world but after you another kingdom is going to come A kingdom that is inferior to yours, yet stronger than yours. Silver. And it says it's the two arms coming together because you would have the Medes and the Persians who would come together to defeat Babylon and they would now become the world power to to rule the known world, the Medo-Persian Empire. After that, you would have an inferior kingdom, but stronger, made of bronze, It would be Greece. Greece would be the one to uh, defeat the Medo-Persian Empire. And then after Greece, of course, you would have the last one, which is Rome. Rome would be the last world power that would rule the known world. And you don't even have to take the Bible uh, at its word. You can go to your history books. (laughs) You can go to Wikipedia. And you can read all this that just like Daniel said, just like God said would happen, it has happened. These are the five or or the four world powers that have come to pass that they have ruled the known world. Right now, we don't have that. We have presidents. We have emperors. You know, we have prime ministers. But we don't have just one kingdom ruling, ruling everybody in the whole world. We don't have that. Rome was the last, okay? That is what the statue was all about. But there was one more kingdom, if you remember. The feet. The feet that is mixed with iron and clay with ten toes. There is one more kingdom to come. So if Rome was the last kingdom to rule the whole world, then the Bible is saying we got one more kingdom that's coming. And if the Bible predicted accurately, correctly, four out of the five kingdoms already... How many of y'all know then the fifth kingdom is probably going to happen as well, right? (laughs) If God got four out of the five right already, (laughs) pretty much I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. That fifth kingdom is coming. That fifth kingdom is on its way. Another world power or world kingdom that is going to rule 
all of the world. It is coming. But at the end, after that fifth kingdom comes, a rock is going to come out of the sky. (laughs) A rock is going to come from heaven. A rock is going to come and strike that fifth kingdom. All the kingdoms are going to come crashing down, turning into dust. And a great wind is going to come and blow it all away. And that rock that came is going to become the last kingdom to stand. And that is the kingdom of God. God's kingdom himself is going to come and do it. (laughs) And God reveals that in a dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And he reveals the meaning and its interpretation to Daniel. So that Daniel could then reveal it to the king and therefore also reveal it to us. And what God showed Nebuchadnezzar in general He's about to show Daniel in great detail. Okay, let me say that again. What God showed Nebuchadnezzar in general, this image, this statue, he's about to show Daniel in great detail. Okay, it's the same meaning. It's the same interpretation. It's just different visions. Okay, the king, he sees an image, a statue. What Daniel's going to see is a beast. Daniel's going to see a ferocious beast, and, but it's the same meaning, it's the same uh, uh, interpretation that God is going to give Daniel as well. And so that's why I say it is this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, that Daniel interpreted, that is now going to launch us into the second half of the book of Daniel, the visions and the prophecies that Daniel received. So what can we expect from Daniel's prophecies? What is going to be a part of the vision and the prophecies that Daniel's going to receive here? Well, the coming of the Christ, but also the coming of the Antichrist. Okay? Both of those is going to be found in Daniel's vision and prophecy. The coming of the Christ, but also the coming of the Antichrist. Number two, the peace treaty. Do you realize that every single president since Israel's new birth as a nation in 1967, 68, has been trying to garnish peace in the Middle East? (laughs) Every single one, our president just tried it and failed himself, came up with a great peace plan. Israel, they were ready to sign. Palestine said, no deal. (laughs) Y'all remember that game, no deal, no deal? That's what they've been saying (laughs) for years. A peace plan has been presented to them. Here, we get you guys to come together and we get you guys to agree. You sign here, you sign here. But every single time, either Israel or the Palestinians, they have said, no deal. (laughs) No deal. We're not going to do it. Well, in Daniel's prophecy, he is going to show us where they're actually going to say deal. There is going to be a peace treaty between Israel and Palestine, something that no one has been able to do. We've been wanting it, we've been praying for it, we've been hoping for it, we've been working toward it, but no one has been able to get these two nations to agree with a peace treaty and and live together in harmony. No one's been able to do it, but Daniel's prophecy is going to reveal somebody is going to come to the scene and do it. Somebody is going to show up and be able to do what nobody else was able to do. 
That is in Daniel's prophecy. So you have the peace treaty between Israel and Palestine. You also have the rebuilding of the temple. The rebuilding of the temple. Solomon's temple was destroyed when Babylon came and took Israel or Judah into captivity. They rebuilt it uh, with Nehemiah and in that situation. But then it was destroyed again in A.D. 30. Rome destroyed at that time. But the Bible is going to predict through Daniel's prophecy that the temple will be rebuilt again. It is going to be rebuilt. That is in Daniel's prophecy. You have then the abomination of desolation. The thing that is going to cause all of hell literally to break loose on this earth. It is called the abomination that is going to cause desolation. That is in Daniel's prophecy here. And then, of course, you have the ancient of days and the end of days. Both the ancient of days who comes back, who returns, and the end of days or the end of time as well. That is found in Daniel's prophecy as well. So now this is just the introduction (laughs) You know how we do here. Whenever we start a brand new series, we just want to take the time to introduce to you what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. We're about to get into the second half of the book of Daniel, and we're going to get into his visions. We're going to get into his prophecy, and we're going to go through all of that so that you may begin to see the road markers. You may begin to see God already putting things in place and and about to call that final curtain call. (laughs) He's he's establishing different things and allowing different things and putting people in in different places and positions. He's readying the stage for that final curtain call. And as we go through the book of Daniel, as we go through the last half of the book of Daniel and his vision and his prophecies, you are going to be able to see these road markers and be like, yep, yep, (laughs) yep. Time is close. Time is winding down. Y'all realize we're almost in March already? We just celebrated a new year, and we're almost in March. (laughs) Time is not waiting for anybody. (laughs) Time is flying by. And especially with this being an election year, 2020 is going to go by like that. Okay, It is not waiting for anybody. But all these things that we are seeing happening, all these things that we're seeing taking place, it is all God getting the stage ready for that final curtain call. Let me leave you with one last scripture before we close here. Let's go to Daniel chapter 12. We won't get into the book of Daniel just yet. We won't go into his prophecies just yet. But I want to go to the end of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. And you're going to see the last set of instructions that God gives Daniel concerning the prophecies and the vision that he has now given him. In Daniel 12, 4, it says this, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. (laughs) Take everything that I've just shown you, take everything I've just revealed to you. I want you to shut it up. I want you to seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. But I want you to shut up this book and I want you to seal it until the end. God tells Daniel to seal up the prophecy. 
seal up the vision, seal up the interpretation, seal up all the things that God has revealed to him until the end. Why is that? Why would God give him prophecy, give him vision, give him road markers and things to look for, but then tell him to seal it up? Well, the purpose of a seal is to keep out until. Okay? <laughs> That's the purpose of a seal. <laughs> The purpose of a seal is to keep out until, okay? It's the reason why we seal up our envelopes before mailing anything, right? Because it is intended for the right person at the right time. Do you know it's against the law to open up somebody else's mail? Do <laughs> you know it's against the law to break the seal that wasn't intended for you to be, to be breaking? Because the purpose of a seal is to keep out until, that's why when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the Bible says the king sealed that den with his signet ring. That meant that nobody could come and break that seal who didn't have the authority to do it. If you didn't have the authority to break that seal, you could end up where Daniel was in the lion's den. It's the same thing that they did when Jesus' tomb was sealed. They go and they say, look, they talk about him rising again from the dead three days. And so can you do something? Okay, I'm going to put guardsmen there and then I'm going to seal it. Nobody can break that seal who doesn't have the authority to do so. And if they do, they will suffer the same fate this Jesus did. Why? Because the purpose of a seal is to keep out until. Okay, that is what a seal is for. So why would God give prophecy to Daniel if he was going to turn around and just say and then seal it up? Seal it up. Well, because it would be concealed until it was time to be revealed. It would be concealed until it was time to be revealed. And the mere fact that it's been revealed to us lets us know that we must be living in what? last days in the times because that's what God said he said I want you to seal up these prophecies seal up this book until the end of time until the end of days so now we know that the seal has been broken it's been revealed it can only mean that we must be living in the days end of times revelation does the very same thing when John he's taken into heaven and he sees this scroll and it has seven seals on it. And all of heaven is weeping and they're lamenting because no one is worthy to break the seal. No one is worthy to open up the scroll. Oh, but then the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world, he shows up and he begins to break each seal open. Revealing the prophecies or the plagues that are going to be unleashed on this world. Well, God does the same thing with Daniel. God gives Daniel what was, what is, and what will be, but he gave it for you and for me. He gave it to Daniel, but it wasn't for Daniel. <laughs> gave it to Daniel, but it was not for Daniel. It was for us. It was for this time that we are living in right now. And so what we are calling this series is simple. The sealed revealed. The sealed revealed. What God sealed up with Daniel, 
He has now allowed that seal to be broken open so that these things, these prophecies, these visions may now be revealed to us so that we may believe that he is and that we may keep watch and we may be ready for his return. It is the sealed that's now revealed or the book of Daniel and the end of days. Now, let me give you a disclaimer before next week. I can already tell you right now, we're not going to be in total agreement with one another. Okay? Whenever we talk about prophecy, you'll be hard pressed to find five people who agree completely with one another. Okay, Let alone a church this size here. We're not going to agree with one another on all the minute details of how all of this is going to unfold. Some of us believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Some of us believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. Some of us believe in a post-tribulation rapture. Okay, we can agree to disagree on those things, okay? We're not going to agree on every single minute detail, but as long as we can agree on the final destination, (laughs) as long as we all get to the same place, (laughs) and that is where the day is coming when Satan and sin will be no more, they will be done away with, And those who believe in Jesus Christ will rule and reign with him forever. As long as we can all get to that conclusion, we'll be fine, okay? We'll be good. (laughs) So, I may say some things up here throughout this series you may not agree with. Well, that's not the way that I heard it. That's not the way it was taught to me. That's not what Pastor so-and-so said about it. That's not according to that book that I read. Okay, we can agree to disagree on those minute details. But as long as we can come to the same conclusion, then I will believe this series is going to be worth it. When I was in school, we used to take tests, and I couldn't stand those tests. (laughs) But there were some particular tests you'd have to take that were different from all the other ones, and you knew that it was different, that it was more important, because they came sealed. The test came sealed. The booklet came sealed. And you couldn't open it until they authorized you to do so. They had to make sure that you were the correct student. Let me check your name. (laughs) Let me check the name that's on the test booklet. Let me check the name that's on the answer sheet. They had to first uh, uh, make sure you were the right one with the authority to break the seal. Then you had to wait for the right time. If the test started at 9.30, you couldn't break the seal at 9.15. (laughs) You couldn't break the seal at 9.29. You had to wait until 9.30. And when 9.30 came, then it was time to take your pencil and break the seal, revealing what was inside. That is what God has done here with Daniel's prophecy. He has given us this prophecy. He's given us these visions. He has sealed it up. But now he says, now it's time. And it has been the end of days or the last days since Jesus Christ uh, went back to heaven. When he ascended into heaven, from that moment, disciples were waiting for him to come back. (laughs) From that moment, why do you think they sold all they had? So why why do I need two houses? (laughs) Why do I need all this? If Jesus is on his way back, why do I need all this stuff? It has been the end of days since Jesus ascended back into heaven. And all of his disciples, all of those who have been found in him, believing in him, have been waiting for him to come back. And the angel said, do not have fear or lose heart. For the same way you saw him leave, you will see him again returning. 
And we have been waiting ever since. And one of these days, it's going to happen. <laughs> There's going to be a shout. <laughs> There's going to be the voice of the archangel. There's going to be the trumpet that's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet God in the air. And forever we shall be with him. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. And there is not one single solitary thing that needs to happen before that to happen. Now, there's some other things that need to happen for, for some other prophecies to be fulfilled. But for Jesus to be in the clouds and to call us up with him, nothing else has to happen. It could happen this evening. It could happen at any moment. And so what you need to do is not get ready. <laughs> you need to be ready. You need to be ready. You know, when Superman, whenever there was danger, he would quickly go into a telephone booth, right? And all he would do is this. Right? He didn't have to go home. He didn't have to go, honey, where's my super suit? He didn't have to do that. <laughs> Why? He stayed ready. He stayed ready. And we, too, need to stay ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a hand for his word today. If you will.